God today. I'm ready to get out of my comfort zone. I'm ready for God to stretch me, to challenge me, to push me if he has to, to get me out of that which I'm comfortable with so I can do that which he wants for my life. It has been said and often repeated that who you are five years from now will be determined by the places you go, the people you meet, and the books you read. And I would also add to that by the responses you make to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because you can go to some incredible places and you can meet some interesting people and you can read some phenomenal books. But if you don't respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, then you'll miss all that God has for you in the days that he has given you. I, I can look back over my life and look at markers and milestones and significant moments when God put me in a certain place or I'd met a certain person or, or I'd read a particular book. I can still remember one night after teaching a disciple now in the 1970s, and Terry and I were in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and actually we're in Anderson, South Carolina, and, and I had just finished reading Roy Hessian's Calvary Road. And we'd been married for five years, and we were staying in some people's homes, sleeping on a mattress on the floor, and I had to apologize to my wife for not being the man of God that I needed to be because I had been broken and God had revealed to me how selfish and self-centered I, I really was while I was serving God. I remember in 1972 standing for the first time at the garden tomb and thinking that this is the place where everything I believe became fact. And I, I've met interesting people. I've read a lot of interesting books. I'm working through uh, several books right now that are really challenging me to think and to, and to stretch myself. But the most life-changing thing I've ever done is to give my life to Jesus Christ and to understand what it means to be surrendered to his lordship and to be at his beck and call to obey him, to be uh, not at ease in Zion, as Fred said in the video, but to realize that my life is my, not my own, that I've been bought with a price, and that I am to glorify God in my body. And, and here's the thing that you and I need to understand today, is, is if we are not at that point, that we are not our own, that we have been bought with a price, therefore we are to glorify God in our bodies. If we are not at that point, then you will live your life less than God intended for you. Less than God saved you to be. Less than God empowered you to be. We, we have a tendency in this culture to applaud mediocrity as if it were excellence. We love to play in the shallow end of the pool. We like to have the, the wide, easy road that doesn't demand us to get rid of any baggage or cast off anything that might hinder us 
as we journey and walk with Christ. And we need to understand that, that God has called us to a kind of life that many of us, quite honestly, have never experienced. We have never tasted and seen that the Lord is good and that His goodness is when we are where He wants us to be and doing what He wants us to do and living the way that He has empowered and equipped us to live. Now, we're going to be in John chapter 1 in just a moment. But I want to mention a book. It's, I wouldn't recommend buying it. I'm, I'm going to summarize it for you in about two minutes. It was written in 1991 called The Psychology of the Optimal Experience. The Psychology of the Optimal Experience. And it, it actually, it still ranks, I think, in the top 1,000 in books on Amazon. So this is 20 years down the road. It's still a book that is picked up largely by a secular market as a resource that they look at. But it's a case study of thousands of leaders and athletes and artists about what happens when they get into what the author calls the flow. In sports, we would call it the zone. If you, you watch a basketball game, they'll say he's in a zone right now. He's, he's unstoppable. What happens when a person gets in this point in their lives where, where it seems that everything is moving. Sometimes you might call that maximum momentum, but it seems like everything is moving according to plan and everything is working and, and nothing can stop them. Here's what the author says. This shouldn't be a surprise to you. It never happens to lazy people. It never happens at times of leisure. It never happens in a vacuum. It is when a person is operating at their peak, at their best, and it's always in the midst of something that is stretching them to do more. We have been amazed by the stories of the Navy SEALs that went into a compound and took down America's number one enemy. At that moment, all that training, they had operated at a certain level. But at a moment when actually their lives were on the line, not knowing what they were facing, I can assure you those Navy SEALs were in peak flow. There was nothing that was going to deter them from what they were there to do to accomplish their mission. Now, here's what the author says are two keys. First of all, you have to narrow your focus to a clear goal. You have to narrow your focus to a clear goal. In other words, it can't be, well, I just want to be better. Better at what? By what percent? When are you going to start? How are you going to measure what better looks like? Well, I just want to grow. How? When? Where? To what level? What's your target? What's your goal? When can you say you've accomplished that? And secondly, the flow always results in personal growth. It never leaves a person the same way that it found them. When we look at the scripture, we find average people who got in a flow. They, they became exceptional. These were fishermen and, and carpenters and tax collectors and all zealots. I mean, they were just your normal run-of-the-mill B-flat 
people. But when they met Jesus, something exceptional began to happen with them. They got out of their comfort box, they left their security, and they moved into a realm of living unlike they had never experienced or even anticipated before. These people became exceptional because they reached their full potential. John chapter 1 and verse 35, and again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John, and you shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Discerning your potential. In every person in this room, in every person within the sound of my voice, there is a potential for good, but there is also a potential for evil. There's a potential for good because we were created in the image of God, but there's a potential for evil because we are victims and inheritors of a fallen nature. In the believer, there's potential for growth and for making an impact for the cause of Christ. There's also the possibility that we won't do anything with our potential, and our lives will be defined at the end by what could have been. Sometimes when I'm driving around town, I run into or I see people that either graduated from our school or grew up in our church and they're not in church, they're not in any church, they're, they're not active, they're not serving the Lord. And I remember them from their 8th and ninth and 10th and 11th and 12th grade years. I remember them from youth camps that they went on. I remember them from decisions that they made. And in fact, I saw one of them on Friday and I looked at him and I saw what he was doing and I saw how he was living and my first thought was, what a waste. Here's a guy who graduated with all A's and he's working an hourly job going nowhere fast. What a waste. And you can look at people that you've grown up with, people that you've spent time with, maybe members of your family, and know what they could be. And their life is really defined by it's wasted. They've wasted years. They've wasted their life. But let's not speak in general. Let's talk about you. Because God has made you in his image. God has empowered you, if you are a believer, with the Holy Spirit to live a supernatural, abundant life. 
to be an overwhelming conqueror through Jesus Christ. The question you have to ask yourself is, in light of the fact that God saved me, and in light of the fact that I'm created in the image of Christ, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and I could be living an abundant life, I could be an overcomer, I could overwhelmingly conquer, am I there, or am I even in the flow of getting there? If the answer is no, then the defining line of your life at this point is what a waste. Because of what you could be right now if you just sold out to Christ and gave your heart to Him. John Blanchard said, moving in the right circles is not the same as making progress. Havner said some people have taken a stand and never taken a step. Well, I've taken my stand. I've given my heart to Jesus, but where's the progress? Now let's talk about discovering your potential. Discovering your potential. First of all, there's a discovery of truth and reality. There's a discovery of truth and reality. What is truth? And what is reality? It's not what the world tells us it is. John looked at Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. He got it right. That was the reality. This just was, wasn't just another prophet or a preacher or a teacher. This was the Lamb of God, an image that Isaiah had used, that he would be like a lamb led to slaughter. This was the promised one of God. Andrew called him rabbi or teacher and said, Where are you going? Because I'd like to go there too. And then Andrew not only went, but he brought his brother to Jesus. And Jesus invited them to come and see. So you have to discover truth and reality. If Jesus is who he says he is, you cannot be content with average Amen. and almost and call him Lord. Secondly, there's the discernment of Jesus regarding Simon. There's the discernment of Jesus regarding Simon. Jesus saw him and said, you are Simon, son of John. Jesus, being sovereign Lord, knew who he was and knew what his nature was. He knew what his problems were. He knew his issues. He said, you're, you're a little stone, but I'm going to make you into a rock. Here's what Jesus was saying to Simon Peter and would say to you and would say to me. If you'll exchange your old way of doing things with my new life, I will make you into something you could never be on your own. Amen. I will do something for you and in you and through you that you could never accomplish in your own strength. Here's Jesus who sees John and he changes his life. And now Simon Peter is not known as a fisherman. He's known as an apostle and he's got a story to tell. Then there's thirdly, the developing of your potential. It's not enough to have potential. John Madden said one time in, in a football game, he said, potential means you ain't done it yet. How many athletes come out and they're a first round draft pick and they're a dud because there's a world of difference between college and pros or high school and college or middle school and high school. Potential means you hadn't done it yet. I talked to a man years ago who lived in New York City, and he said, you know, we got guys in the hood that play basketball in the hood that can beat 
any team in any five of them could be any team in the NBA on any day they wanted to. I said, really? Are you sure about that? He said, I'm absolutely sure about that. He said, there's a guy that is built like a machine. He's seven foot two and he plays basketball one block from me and everybody around him is six eight to six ten and one, and, and one of them's a point guard and he's a pure shooter. He said, they could beat any NBA team. I said, well, why aren't they playing ball? He said, drugs, alcohol, and dropout. What they could have been, the money they could have made, the life they could have had, and they gave it up for a short-term pleasure. You know, there are musicians that, that are talented and they never use their talents for God. There are people that are gifted and they never use their gifts for God. There are people who have the potential of spiritual growth and they never do anything with it. And so I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5 and this is where we're going to land for the rest of the message. Luke chapter 5. What, what does it take? What does it take for us to get to where God wants us to be so that at the end of our life, we've got a story. We have a story that, of a life-changing encounter with Christ that has made us into something we could have never been on our own. Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. Jesus had been in a boat speaking. He said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, I see he's, he's called Simon still, put out into the deep water and let your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, now, you've got to read the Bible with a little bit of imagination. Let me, let me just, you look at verse 5 in your Bible. Let me tell you what Simon is really saying here. I don't know who this guy thinks he is, but I've been fishing all my life. My daddy was a fisherman. My grandfather was a fisherman. And this knucklehead's trying to tell me how to catch fish. I've never seen him bait a hook. I've never seen him throw a net. What in the world does he know about fishing? All right, Jesus, I guess if I'm going to go with you, I guess I'll do what you tell me to do. Not that it's going to work. Not that you got a better plan than me. After all, I'm the expert here. It is my boat you're standing in. It is my boat. You see that little sign over there by the dock? Andrew and Simon, fishing experts. You missed that, didn't you? But all right, but get ready, because I'm going to tell you, I told you so. I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. Now, just look at Jesus right now. Just kind of use your imagination. I think Jesus is leaning over by Simon Peter saying, how you like that, big boy? <laughs> Let's see, that fish you caught was this big, or was it this big, or was it this big? I didn't even touch the net, and you've got more fish than your boat can hold. Oh, look, water's coming in. We're sinking. I think I'm the only one that's going to be able to walk on water to get to the shore. <laughs> How are the rest of you boys going to get back? But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, 
Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. About four things here. Number one, you need to see yourself as you really are. You need to see yourself as you really are. I mean, Simon Peter was an expert fisherman, but this was way over his head. He, he said, go away from me, Lord. Here's a man who lacked faith that God really knew what he was doing. And one of the reasons why we keep control of our lives is we lack the faith to believe that God really knows what he's doing. And that God really has our best interests in mind and that God understands where we are and that God loves us unconditionally and he can be trusted. Secondly, you need a full revelation of self. I am a sinful man. He was sinful. Why? Because he doubted God, because he he questioned, because he did it reluctantly. His wasn't a swift obedience. It was a reluctant obedience. He said, I'm a sinful man. I realize that that you are the Christ. We've been talking about that, but, but I've never seen anybody do what you've just done. I'm a sinful man. Can I tell you something? No matter what you've done, God is not impressed. No matter how you look, no matter how much money you have, no matter what kind of car you drive, what kind of house you live in, how many degrees you have hanging on your wall, how gifted you are, Jesus is not nudging God the Father right now saying, we are so lucky to have him. I can't believe. Oh, wow. Imagine what would happen if we didn't have him. God's not impressed. God loves you because you had nothing to offer him except a broken, sinful vessel that needed a Savior. Number three, you need a clear understanding of God's call on your life. You need a clear understanding of God's call on your life. From now on, you will be a fisher of men. Nobody is exempt from this. No one called of God is exempt from the Great Commission. We're not exempt. It's not just for pastors and staff members and missionaries and those with the gift of evangelism. It is for all of us to be fishers of men, to look for opportunities to catch fish. You see, fishermen catch fish and they die. People who share Christ catch dead people and they come to life. Dead in trespasses and sin. And then all of a sudden they come to life. So you got to find out what God's call is on your life. And then you need to follow to full obedience. They left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed him. Well, that sounds hard. To leave everything and follow him. I mean, they walked away. They said, what we've been given our lives to doesn't matter. It's not important. It's not eternal. We get up and we do the same thing every day, same old thing, over and over again, and there's no fulfillment and there's no joy and there's no happiness in our life. But seeing Jesus 
has done something to us that nothing else has ever done. Well, they'd gone to the synagogue and worship because that's what a good Jew was supposed to do. They had given their tithes and their offerings and they had brought their sacrifices. But when they met Jesus, they left everything to follow him. By the way, in the Great Commission, go is not the imperative in that verse. Make disciples is the imperative. Jesus assumed our going and telling. And he said, if you want to read the Great Commission accurately, it's as you are going and as you are telling people about me, make disciples. Reproduce yourself in the life of someone else. And so first of all, the Great Commission has to make application to our lives personally. I have to become a disciple, a follower, a learner of Jesus Christ. And then in my family. And after my family, those in my sphere of influence. And then to say to the Lord, now Lord, I've kind of covered me, my family, and my sphere of influence. Now what do you want me to do? Now how do I fulfill this? Now how do I, how do I fulfill this call of God on my life? Now how do I step out? And Peter's obedience led to his name change. Read the book of Acts. Here's a guy that just days earlier had denied Jesus before a little servant girl. And now he stands up before the religious leaders, the very people who had killed Jesus, and he comes boldly out of an upper room from prayer, and he says, you've killed God, but you don't have the last word. You crucified the King of glory. And he calls them to repent of their sin. What a change of life. Now, can I tell you something? Simon Peter has nothing on you. The Apostle Paul has nothing on you. The difference between Simon Peter and the Apostle Paul and the great people of faith that you've read about and heard about all your life is one thing. Surrender. They made themselves available to empty themselves of self and to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so I want to ask you a simple question. You know the answer. Nobody can answer it for you. I can't answer it for you. You can't answer it for me. Just want to ask you a simple question. If you keep going down the road you're going, and doing what you're doing, and living like you're living, and studying the Bible like you're currently studying the Bible, and praying like you're praying, and witnessing like you're witnessing, and living for Jesus at the level that you're living for Him right now, will you be a person that died with potential or with achieving all that God had for you? It's as, it's as Spurgeon said, I must get busy because I am behind on my sanctification. Folks, I'm 58 years old. I got to be honest with you. I've wasted way, way, way too many days doing things that don't matter.
and things that I can't take to heaven with me and things that are not eternal. And I know that. And I had a talk with the Lord about it this week. And I acknowledge to him that right now, to be honest, in some areas of my life, bad English, good evaluation, I ain't done it yet. But that has to change. And I'm the only one that can change it for me. And you're the only one that can change it for you. Husbands, you can't make your kids change unless you're changing. Your wife change unless you're changing. Wives, your husband's not going to get any better if you're not getting any better. Kids, don't expect God to change your parents if he's not changing you. It's that simple. The circle is drawn in the seat in which you are sitting. And you get to decide if it's going to be potential or achievement. Let's stand together. These altars are open. Staff members are here. If you need to come today to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then I want to invite you to find one of these staff members and say to them, I need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ today. Some of you just need to come and say, Lord, I'm not living up to my potential. I'm not answering the call. I'm being disobedient in some areas of my life. I'm not following you fully as I need to be following you. I'm not yielded to you like I need to be yielded. It's the furthest thing from my mind to obey you and to say, wherever God leads me, I'll go. They left everything to follow him, everything to follow him. They, they held nothing back. They left it to follow him. They, they stumbled along the way. They weren't perfect. But the direction of their life was a long obedience with a few hiccups along the way. Many lives today are a lot of hiccups and not much obedience. And so I want to ask you today, just honestly, just you and the Lord today, are you living up to the potential that you have as a person filled with the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God abiding inside you, empowering you, owning a Bible, being in a country where you can worship freely, are you living up to all that God has empowered and equipped you to do? Are you following Him? Are you going where He leads you to go? Are you obeying Him? Are you listening to Him right now? As Mark sings, I'm going to ask you to step out and come. Find this altar as a place of prayer, as a place of commitment, as a place of surrender. He sings, you come right now. I have decided to follow Jesus.